Welcome back, WNST, Towson Baltimore and Baltimore Positive at Costas Inn in Dundalk celebrating 25 years, but also uh, gathering goods for the Maryland Food Bank and our friends. I'll uh, be doing that all week on Crab Cake Row. We call it a cup of soup or bowl. Some guys come by just for the soup. Some, by, some guys come by for the Maryland crab. Some come from the cream of crab. I'm not sure. This guy is an old friend of mine. He's in the marketing business. We're going to have a good time here together uh, today. Uh, do you bring any cans by today, man? No, I got a surprise for you, though, with that. What do you got? So I was going to save this to the end, but I can do it now. The reason I don't have cans is because I have so many they won't fit in my car. What? Yeah, so many. I was able to work with a local store that I'll name in a little bit, and we are donating $2,000 worth of canned goods on your behalf. What? Yeah. Hold on. You brought a truckload of cans to me? I mean, how, wh- how, what do I need to know about this? Where, where, where do they come from? Say so, Wise Markets are my sponsor. <laughs> they did not come from Wise. So I actually went to BJ's, if you're familiar with the wholesale club. I know, okay. And um, we were able to get $2,000 worth of perishable, non-perishable items for your cause. And there's just so much. Oh, I can't whoa, whoa, put it in my car. Where, where, is it, where is it right now? Uh, it's still at their store. I have to have it, have it delivered, or I have to go rent some kind of a truck so I can bring it to you. See, I have the Maryland Food Bank coming here a little later on in the day. and uh, So I set it up that at 4.40 every day, we have a local pantry. So what the deal is today, our local pantry, St. John's, I have all my notes here on my phone. So let me just get my phone out, <laughs> you know, read it off here. St. John's Food Pantry, yesterday, yesterday was unbelievable. We did the Grace and Hope Mission. Downtown. So if you ever use Gay Street, like where the Chick-fil-A is off of Pratt, you make the left on Gay. Oh, yeah. On the left side, right before you get to the block, there is a, a beautiful sign. It's a cross, and it looks like it's been there since, like, 100 years. Yeah. It says Grace and Hope Mission. I swear I thought it was dead in the 80s. It did, I just thought it was a sign from a building. Real place. The woman that's been running it for 49 years... From Norfolk, she, she looked remind me of my mother and my mother's sister. Uh, I've had such a cool first couple of days, um, but we gave all to, to them yesterday at Fadley. So it's going to local pantries. So okay, I don't. Great. So I'm thinking that the St. John's folks here hit the you know. Santa Claus showed up in the case of Steve Turner. Tell me what you do because you've been jiving like marketing and web and. Communication, really, with my son, who's uh, the executive producer. Don't blame him for anything that went wrong today. Uh, it's user error is all on me today. <laughs> blame JR. Don't blame me. You know, a friend of mine used to tell me when I made a mistake. He called me on the phone, and he's an IT guy. And he would say, do you know what the problem is? I said, no, what's the problem? User error. No, he said it's the ID10T error. Have you heard of this? ID10T. Go ahead. And he used to tell me, he said, now you need to write this down. If you guys are listening, write it down because you need to remember this. And he says it's all caps. So I'd write ID10T. And you know what that spells when you write it out? Uh, No, I don't. It spells idiot. Idiot. <laughs> so it's the user error. And he used to get on me all the time about that. And I'd have it written and posted up on my walls. And he'd always refer to it. He said, did you do the ID10T error again? Well, it goes back to user error. Exactly. And, and you know, I'm the user, right? So um, Steve and I got to know each other through business and, and doing business in local. Uh, I said to my son, I think of you as sort of my age, and I think of him as a kid, and you're like 12 months apart, like yeah. literally. So you don't, you're wearing your Orioles thing. I am. I am. So, yeah, so back You've to the question. You've never seen him win. 
No. So, <laughs> I mean, technically, you know, you back, in the, back in the 90s. Barely, right? <laughs> I've never seen him go to a series. That's for sure. Okay. And I want to see that. I want to see that. Right. Okay. But back to what you do. Go yeah. So, uh, you know, I actually have an interesting story about my business. So, I started my business completely accidentally. So, I'm the accidental entrepreneur. Okay. Um, I went to school for music. My goal was to be a rock star. So, I, I got hog wild in that. But I, what do you play? Uh, well, I play the guitar, the bass guitar. I sing. I play a little piano. And I play the euphonium horn. Well, you, what horn? Do you even know? I was going to say, do you know no, what a no, euphonium no, no, horn no, no, is? No, 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 I know what a French horn is. I don't know what a euphonium horn, so horn it's is. So essentially, it's a mini tuba. It's a small version of a tuba. And um, I didn't originally play that. I went to a, a concert band for trumpet. And we went to this band, and they all, there were so many trumpets. So the band director said, hey, uh, a euphonium has the same keys as a trumpet with one extra valve. Would you consider transferring? Is it more like Chuck Mangione kind of thing, or no? No, 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 not at all. But... What does but, it sound like? It's, it sounds like a baritone horn, okay. essentially. Right, so it's, right. a, it's got a deeper baritone voice. Uh, but would they let you play with the tuba guys down at Christmas? Could you, could oh, you yeah. have been a Santa tuba guy? Yes, 100%. So you would fit in that band? I would. Uh, all right, that's I all would. that matters. Okay. But anyhow, um, so I went to school for that, and I played all those instruments. And I was in this local rock band that ended up getting some, some really good press. Uh, we started writing our own music, and I would say by 1998, 1999, we were getting uh, interest by local labels and some national labels. We ended up on MTV for a while, um, CD sales, because that's what you did back then. You sold CDs, right? We had CD sales all around the and world. And t- well, we didn't sell any T-shirts. Merch. <laughs> Got to get some merch. Um, but anyhow, long story short, when we, we started entertaining these record labels, they all told me one thing. You need to have a website for your band. Because MySpace was brand new. <laughs> Think about that for a second. MySpace was brand new. MySpace brand new. So this is 01? 01, exactly. Okay, all right, I got you. MySpace was well, new. Well, my kid's your age. I mean, <laughs> I remember when he came home, he's like, Dad, there's this thing called Napster. We can steal music forever. <laughs> That's and right. And I'm like, let's do it, man. And yeah. then LimeWire came out after that. But yeah. This so- is an iPod. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. So I, I'm at school. I went to Archbishop Curley High School. All right. And these record labels, they gave me this phone number for a company that built websites. They were an agency. And I'm dialing the phone number right next to the, the uh, SDR is what they called it at Curly, the cafeteria. And the, the agency tells me one thing. They said, no problem. We can build you a website. We just built a website for the Foo Fighters. We just finished the last one for uh, the Goo Goo Dolls. And I'm sitting here and I'm starting to get a little scared. They said, our minimum retainer starts at $30,000. <laughs> They don't know I'm sitting in How my house. How much did you have? I had like 12 bucks to my name. Right, exactly. <laughs> but. Yeah, roller skating money. I was, I was very professional. I said, oh, okay. And I started asking some more questions. And then I'm like, I'm going to have to call you guys back. And I hung up the phone. And I went back to the band. And I said, guys, we are not getting a website. Now, they're all older than me. Because remember, I was in high school. They're all in their 20s and above. Come on, you could have done a GeoCities well, that's what they told me. Right. That's exactly See, what they told me. I was alive. I was an adult then. You were not. So they all Even pointed though you're an adult me. now. They all but. pointed to me, and because I knew about MySpace, they assumed I knew about technology, right? If you're a young guy who knows tech all the time. That's what you get. So they all pointed at me and said, you have to figure this out. And I'm just like, what, what am I going to do? So I went back to school, and I found this student bootleg copy of uh, something called Dr- uh, Dreamweaver, if you remember that. I remember Dreamweaver. Yeah, I had to teach myself how to write That's HTML. Coding. That's code. Yeah. Like flat out HTML. Flat out like, HTML. Yeah, all right, go yep. I had to teach myself HTML. At the time, Flash animation was like the big new technology. So I, I taught myself how to do Flash animation. Because it could make an ad move. Exactly. Period. And then... Just before videos, before YouTube. I mean, it's really hard to... 
if for a young person, I would think that if you're of that era to say, I mean, I was talking about beta tapes with him this morning at VHS <laughs> because um, Greg Landry is my sponsor, Towson Transfers. I have someone coming later. I hope she's not here yet. We were in a school play in 1982. Mm. I have the video VHS of it, so I have. I have made that an MP4. Oh, fantastic. And she doesn't know it. <laughs> so she's going to have a copy of the play today. She's going to get it today? She's going to get it today. Oh, that's fantastic. Just like you gave me $2,000 of things for the Maryland Food Bank. The Maryland Food Bank guy's here. He just gave two grand. You got you to come get the money with the food bank. You food bank? I see food bank here. Yeah, all right. So he's giving. Got so, big muscles for giving. So anyway, technology. I'm going back to video. How would you explain to a kid... A Betamax and a VHS at this point, when you're like Dreamweavers are really new to me, but to you, it's like brand new. Yeah, so So I I wouldn't explain that to a kid today at all, completely honest with you. Um, They don't need it. They don't need it. They absolutely don't need it. They have no clue what it is, and it's just going to be a long discussion. You just need to drive drive the highway that's been made for you. Yep. So after a year and a half of teaching myself how to do all that stuff, we built a website, it worked for our band, and it was well enough that other bands, other DJs, other people in the industry wanted them. And I knew the going rate was 30 grand, right? So I said, okay. why not sell them for five? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was gonna, I thought you would say 29. Well, you know, I did want some business. <laughs> I mean, at the time, let's see, I was working part-time at Victoria's Secret, right? So that was my only income. We're all learning business. I learned business selling baseball cards when I was 13 years old. So my thing was if, if the card was worth a dollar and the kid offered me 60 cents, I would sell it just to get rid of it, right? Because I'm like, just yeah. sell it. Because nobody's giving me a dollar, even though the book, the Beckett book says it's worth a dollar. But there was a point where, like, you didn't want to sell it for 20 cents. Exactly. You didn't want to undercut the whole market. You don't want to yourself. I wanted to be the cheapest guy that could sell it at the thing without giving it away. Yeah. When you're in a room full of people that all have Brooks Robinson cards. That's right. Just take 25 cents off and you win the bid. You gave, a, you gave the store away, though, at five grand. Well, I was 17. <laughs> so that's how I started. Now, mind you, my music career was still on an upward rise. So I was fully expecting to be a rock star. What were you playing? At the time, it was modern rock. So we wrote our own music, and we played cover music. So the In big, 2004, 3, two, 4? Between 1999 and 2005 is, is, was really the height of that. I'm just trying to think of the bands that were big then. Oh, the new band. The big new band at the time was like Creed. <laughs> okay, so you were trying to sound that, that yeah, kind there was, of Yeah, let's see. There was Creed. The there Daltry was kind of the sound. The Daltry. Yeah, exactly. Right. That bluesy, deep uh, right. rock kind of Nickelback sound. Nickelback coming in. Nickelback was brand Hinder new. about to happen yep. at that point. Yep. And we did really well. We really did. Uh, we, we put it this way. We broke even. And I want to sing in your band, dude. Let's go do it. Let's you go. could. Now that I know you're a musician, I could put you together with... I put Gina Shock's band together. Did you really? The House of Shock's my band. I didn't know that. I put, yeah. That's, <laughs> no, this happened, this happened here at Costas last Christmas. Really? Yeah. So Gina Shock, who I never knew but was from Dundalk, did the show for the first time a year and a half ago. We really hit it off. We were Drug City. We stayed in touch. Her and her boyfriend manager, Wendell, was a great guy. Then they came at Christmas, and we sat over in the corner. Mm-hmm. They had a huge Christmas tree. And I brought John Allen over, and I brought her original band, which was Beyond Words, a guy named George Candelis. His wife was my art teacher at Dundalk. Small to more, man. Yeah, man, we all, everybody We knows all know everyone. each other. So we told these old stories about Edie and the Eggs, which was her original band, punk rock band. Okay. And George was the drummer in, it was the guitar player in Gina's original band in 1977 before she ran off okay. to Hollywood. Yeah. So she comes back, and Wendell hits me after Christmas and says, we're doing this thing with the, at the 
Hard Rock. That's where and we had my CD release party at Hard Rock. Right. Well, she was doing hers. Bands don't do that anymore, I don't think, there, by the right? way. So she uh, hit me and said, do you know a guy that can strum the guitar? And I'm like, sure, I, Ed Lauer. So I give her to Ed, and then he texts me and said, do you, do you know a bass player? And I'm like, no. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I, Steve Ports, my buddy, uh, who's in a band called Classics, married to my high school friend, Elaine, great guy, hit him. Next thing I know... John Allen's recruited into the band because he's so cute. He looks like Keith Urban. He's cute. That's pretty good Gina. She, she loves my Gina, I think, because I do a pretty good one. So they put the band together, and they went out. They, they, played, they played the Stone Pony. Oh, that's fantastic. With, so Gina's, like, drumming and singing in a band with everybody I know. Yeah. <laughs> that if I were to put a band together... I would call them because they're good humans. Absolutely. Because you don't want to be in a band with jerks. Well, in the music scene in Baltimore, it's so small. Everyone knows everyone. Now, the cool thing is there are some really famous, great musicians that have come out of Baltimore, and people don't even know it. And it's, this has been for a long, long period of time in the jazz industry, the rock industry, the pop industry. Um, you know, there's a guy named Chick Webb who was the first swing drummer back in the 20s. He came out of Baltimore. Tony Braxton came out of Baltimore. Uh, well, let's get, I mean, it's here. just crazy. We, we go, David Byrne. David Byrne, yep. Rico Casey. Yes. Um, well, Dennis Chambers, some other guys. Oh, my local. gosh, Dennis Chambers. I mean, he, so Dennis Chambers, Carl Filippiak. Who's I mean, the all guy those guys. in the Little River band? The guy, the guy, one of the guys in the current Little River band's a local guy. I'm trying to think. Oh, I, I don't know. Touring musicians. Yeah. We, I mean, there are Kemp, so many great musicians great that come musicians out of this area. There sure. really are. It's got a long, rich history of music. Shannon and, Larkin. Yeah, absolutely. Godsmack. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, I used to interview Rathchild America back in then. Well, I, I had long hair. And really? I, I can't now. imagine. The first time I saw you with hair, it was highlighted. <laughs> Remember that back right, in the 90s? Of course. <laughs> you had long hair? I had Hammerjack's hair. Okay. I had a girlfriend that liked long hair in 1990, 91, 92. So I grew my hair long because it was Hammerjack's thing. When I quit the sun in 92, my hair was short, but then it got long. So I grew up for about two and a half years, 92, 93, into 94, and my hair was cut. My hair was longer than this. Oh, okay. My hair was down to my down to my. So you had a, like, belt. 70s type hair. It, so my wife calls it uh, a mullet. <laughs> uh, I look at it, and it looks a lot like what Eddie Vedder's hair looked like then, which isn't long in the front. Yeah. It was tapered in the side, and it really it was a bi-level, I okay. guess. And I had, a, I had a ponytail then, but not like, I wore it more out. It wasn't as curly as it is now. But I cut, Brad Pennington cut my hair at Hooters for charity. Oh, wow. In May of 94, before the strike. Got it. So you were 10. Did, did, you, did you like donate it to like yeah, a Yeah, I donated it to or? Sam Lamantia, uh, f- who was doing Ed Block Courage Words. His, his son is, was my guitar player. Okay. So Paul Lamantia was in Walk-In's Welcome. Yep. Playing a lot of rock bands around. He, Go see Paul. Get your hair cut. Don't do what I do. Do what I say. <laughs> I don't get my hair cut, but uh, he's right on Joppa Road, so uh, okay. you can go see him. So, yeah, I love music. I, but anyway, so, so I, I really thought I was going to be a rock star. Yeah. Like, I, mean, how I many, never thought I was going to be a rock star. I mean, how many 18-year-olds you know, in Baltimore get on MTV? How many are getting requests from Australia for you know, CDs and rights to replay your music and stuff like that? So I was, I was like, I am on this path. I am going to be a rock star. This is my career. So I said, I'm going to go to school for jazz. So I was going to go to Towson for jazz performance and composition, and um, I thought I was done. That was it. Then I hit the prefaces, <laughs> the very top, and I realized it wasn't going to go any further. And that was around that 2001, 2002 Why? time frame. Because we had, just, we had just maxed out what we could do. Um, now, 
I see these guys doing Yacht Rock Review now, well, right? So like, like, like that kind of a band doing covers and stuff. I see yeah. bands that are just, the guys that are doing the Zeppelin thing, they get the yep. lead out and stuff. They're touring musicians, and I don't know how much money they're making, but like Yacht Rock Review now is opening for REO Speedwagon and that's Train. Right. I, don't, I don't know if that's a $25,000 night gig, a 50000 whatever that is, but they have to leave their families, yeah. right? Like, like, they do. Like, like you have to leave your families, <laughs> and you have to get on a bus. And, and you're run. gone. And if... 38, you may or may not want to do that if you had two kids right now and a yep. wife at home or whatever. So I, I think anybody that dreams of that dream when you're a kid, like yeah. all of our, like you were when you were a kid and you followed, like, like Gina Shock did, right? That it's all that you do the rest of your life. That's true. That's a really rare, rare, rare thing. You know, I mean, it is. I have a lot of musician friends that are older than me, not my age, but older than me, that all at some point had to take a job because yeah. they were in a band. I mean, I have a friend that was the bass player for Dido. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, my, he's a yoga... He traveled the world playing bass in a, a serious festivals, like all yep. of that. And there just comes a point where you're like, now he teaches yoga in Columbia yeah. instead of doing that because it sounds sexier than it probably is. That's As we lost true. Toby Keith this morning with all the road. It's, yeah. it's a tough life, no matter who you are, even if you're... It's hard. Billy Joel flying around and hanging at the Four Seasons right now. It's still not the easiest thing in the world to no, do. No, it's, it's a lot of travel. It's a lot of work, a lot of tight spaces. Everything's last minute, too. You're always showing up, and all of a sudden, you've got to be on stage. And uh, if you're a family person like I am, that is hard. You know, I do have a wife at home. I do have an eight-year-old daughter that, you know, I just love spending time with them. So that life wouldn't be And the Orioles about to win the World Series. So uh, let's hope so. Right. Let's hope so. But anyway, long story short, I, I realized I wasn't going to be a rock star. I'm getting this degree in jazz performance and composition. I'm like, well, I could go be a session player, but honestly, the money isn't that great. That's not the life I want. I could be a music teacher. That really wasn't interesting, in fact. Uh, then there was the idea of, ah, I could just be a starving artist, and that wasn't so great either. So I took this idea of building websites and communication, and I decided to make a career out of it. And uh, thankfully, I haven't had to look back. 2004, 2002, 2003. Wow. So you were writing Dreamweaver. At the time. Right? All right. So how, and that's a whole different skill set than it like was. turning it into a business, right? Well, so here's something I learned from the music world. The reason I think we didn't succeed as a, as a band and we didn't become rock stars is because we didn't know how to set goals and achieve them. We got to our first goal, which was write, make a CD, write music and do well with it. We did that. And then we had no, nothing lined up to do next. What's the next step? And because we didn't know what the next step was, what the next goal was, we had nothing to strive and achieve. And that's why we started to fall. So I learned that lesson. And when I started another business in marketing and communications, I made sure the next step was always planned before I achieved the first one. That way I could always talk to my team and the people I was working with and tell them what the vision is long-term, not just what the short-term goals are at the moment. It's funny you say that because I'm assessing where I am 25 years, and you're the kind of guy that can help my business. You have helped my business. One of the reasons you're out today. You're really here for Vehicles for Change because Marty's not here. So I, <laughs> I want to point that out. There is a charity and a community component that Steve Tromino being here. By the way, uh, if you're out listening and it's lunchtime uh, and you're driving around, we are at Costas. It is the Tuesday of a cup of soup or bowl. Uh, it is Crab Cake Row. 
We got folks filing in. It was really quiet here this morning. I mean, you show up at Casas at nine in the morning. It's quiet. A lot of the places aren't open just yet. Coco's sure. won't be open early tomorrow. But we have great guests at Coco's on Wednesday. We're going to be Thursday at State Fair in Catonsville, and then on Friday up at uh, Pappas and Timonium. We're hoping that folks bring uh, canned goods. You don't have to bring $2,000 and a whole trunk full like Steve did. You don't have to be show off for the charity. Uh, but we really appreciate it. And uh, we are offering a free cup or super. I don't know what the hell I give, give you. A, I got to give you a whole gallon of soup uh, when you bring that much. But um, we, we're, we're doing a good turn for the Maryland Food Bank. Drop it off. Uh, it's feeding local people here in local shelters all week long, wherever we are. And we're moving around. We've had some tech issues, as expected. How, what do you think of this roadicaster, man? Look, I like it. That pre- doesn't that look like a light bright with it, Christmas? It does. In fact, I got my daughter a light bite for Christmas this year. She's I didn't know lucky. they still made them. My parents lied to me. They would always say, you get that at Christmas, and then I didn't get it. That's why it turned out the way it turned out. <laughs> well, she's not listening to the I radio. I never had a light bright. So my kid isn't listening to the radio right now because she's in school, but she wanted a pogo stick for Christmas, and I didn't get it. But what she doesn't She'll know... She'll remember that the rest of her life. She's getting, I mean, it, she for, is. She's getting it for her birthday in, in uh, April. She's not listening. She won't know. Two things that my parents promised me that I never got. One was light bright. And now I have one because JR <laughs> talked me into getting one. $700 light bright, and I can mute my mic anytime I want without realizing it. Uh, or your guess. At some point, uh, yeah, at some <laughs> point, I will learn how to. You think I'm kidding? This thing looks like a light bright. I want to show everybody. Look at this thing. It looks like a light bright, and I have no idea how it functions. But JR is right. I can touch. I, I feel better when I can touch JR when I'm doing the show. He's off, but I'm literally touching him right now. Um, so he's getting free soup out of this, too. So. Um, and JR's been our engineer. He's the one that found WNST in 19... You know, you know the story? Really? JR found WNST. back. Our original engineer was a beautiful guy named Dwight Weller. Uh, and Dwight died. Uh, he, had, he had cancer, and he died uh, in 1997. Last time I saw Dwight alive, I was on a plane back from Memphis seeing the Oilers of Memphis of Tennessee, mm. soon to be Nashville, playing the Ravens of Baltimore in the Bar- Barney suits. And right. Jim Harbaugh was our quarterback. So that was the to, only to time we played the Orioles. Uh, no, actually, he wasn't. It was, about, it was Vinny. Vinny was still the quarterback in 97. No, but I mean, that was the only time we played the Oilers, I believe, because then they became... We played them in 96 in Houston. We played oh, them in right. 97 in Memphis. And we played them in 98. We played them three times? We played them at the Liberty... We were in the same division. We, we played them in the Liberty Bowl... What? In 97, in, it, that's in Memphis. We played him in Nashville in the Vanderbilt Stadium. Yes. In 98. But it, it, that was the Jim Harbaugh game. They, they played, it was, I call it the erector set because when you see it, it looks like, it looks like a roller coaster ride. It look, mm. it looks, it's put together with sticks. The Vanderbilt Stadium. And then in 99, they moved into the, the big stadium there yeah, and the they Coliseum. became the Titans. Got it. I they, thought they, they became be- the Titans before they, they moved They were wearing in. all their jerseys in Vanderbilt that year. They were okay. Oilers for three years, then Titans when okay. they moved into the new stadium. And they took on the Star and McNair yep. and like all that. Yep. Eddie George and them. We went in the next year and beat them. That's right. The, only, the first team to beat them in the Coliseum. I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> paraphrase, uh, you know, Brian Billick. But when you go into the den of the lions, you go in with a spear, <laughs> screaming at the son of a bee like a banshee. That's right. Is that pretty good? That's about it. It's pretty pretty good, right? <laughs> I love Brian. Steve Tremino is our guest. C A A. No. C- what, what are you? C C and A. C C A. Strategic C- media. I want to get it right. C C and A. C. What would what, what this stand for? Uh, well, actually, I started the, a company. Okay, it's a consultancy. So that's why I'm screwed up. See, it's, it stands Mr. for... Mr. Branding guy here, you <laughs> At know. At the time, it was a, con- a consultancy, and all I had was subcontractors. So it was conceptual, consulting, and associates. 
obviously we rebranded it. When I started, this was called WKDB. It was kids broadcasting when I bought it. So I petitioned to make it WNST, which I really screwed up because I was egotistical in the 90s. Mm -hmm. You know, I've changed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But but Nasty Nestor was my name, right? So when I got the station, WNST was available. And I'm like, that's, you know... And then later on, when I became a .NET, my wife came up with this, by the way. We never stopped talking Baltimore sports. Mm-hmm. So that's why we went with WNST. But WNST meant Nasty Nestor. It was so stupid of me. It was one of the really big mistakes I made because I should have branded it the nest. Mm. And the nest because Ravens and Orioles were birds. That's right. Right? Like, and, and I didn't like nest. I still don't like nest. Brian Adams called me nest on stage when he took my request two weeks ago. I prefer Ness or Nestor. I never liked Nestor. It was always weird. So Ness is better. But the Nest would have worked that for me. That would have been great branding. And here's the other thing. And I came up with, if I would have run for mayor, and you know I was going to run for mayor, my mayoral slogan was togetherness. Together Ness. Together Ness. Together Ness, right? That's a great hashtag. Right. I didn't realize Ness was a suffix in, in, in the way that I would want it to be a suffix um, until... Oh, my God, 2012, mm-hmm. that I started thinking, like, awesomeness. That's right. You, you know, forgetfulness, stupidness, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of thing. I should have owned the Preakness. Yeah, Preakness, greatness. I, I didn't, I, great, yeah, any, great. you could do any, you know, yes. awfulness, you know, you could do anything <laughs> you want. But For, I, I as long as it's not forgetfulness. I didn't own it. <laughs> It happened today, too. <laughs> Times every day. Um, but the CCNA, it, it, you've kept the original name. So then I, I, I rebranded to N- WNST, and then I became WNST.net, so which is we never stopped talking Baltimore sports, right? Mm-hmm. And then I went with Baltimore Positive because yeah. my wife, be more positive. her blood type was B Positive, right. and I went with B More Positive. So I've moved because, like, I don't want people necessarily – like, I'm in Dundalk. Somebody's going to call me nasty here before Eventually, 3 o'clock. Eventually, for right? sure. Yeah, I mean – and that's my fault, right? That was my branding, right? And if people think of me as an old man AM radio station because it's four letters that begins with a W yeah. and you have to go to the AM side of the dial, which you don't. You can just preset anything at this point. I mean, I'm really, other than coverage area, and if I wanted to buy BAL, it would have cost $50 million 20 years ago, True. right? To your point of $30,000 website, $5,000. You know, million-dollar radio station with some partners and a loan or $12 million WQSR, there just was no, yeah. there was no entry point to that. But rebranding is a beautiful thing. You know, my wife works for Verizon, right? So, like, they were, she was New England Tell, yep. 9X, Bell Atlantic, right? Yes, all so, of them. So, I mean, re- I, I think you should rebrand. That's why, I, as a branding um, dabbler, <laughs> I, CCNA, I think you should. I, I think you should rebrand. That's why. So, I I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of rebranding unless you're trying to hide from you're a crisis. Not. Okay, I am oh, not. Really? Now, brand evolution is all a little right. bit different, right? So, if you were CCNA, what are you? So, now? we are still CCNA, but but you're CCNA. We're not but what do you say? We, strategic we media. Strategic media. Yes. Okay. And we've been Perfect. that for the last 10, 15 years now. Um, but our audience at the time, and it still is primarily, is all these big professional service organizations. You know, the lawyers, the 
accountants and they all have the acronyms and they all have the names of their partners in their whatnot. I never know what they stand for. Uh, well, actually, there's a law for it uh, in the accounting world. You can't quote me on it, but there's something that says you have to have the name of the partners in the name of the company if you're an accountant. Or That's CBA. why they're SPK, RFI, and exactly. and D, and Y, and RMK, exactly. and D. And blah, 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 blah. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe someone here can tell me the exact law because I don't know it fully, but it's something like there's that. There's some law that when I read ads for MHIC numbers and like, yep. you know, you have to do all that stuff. You do. So, yep. But our target audience was those organizations. So we wanted a name that would fit with their expecting. And it works for us. It works great for us. So, so that's how I it ended up. No, I, I got it wrong. Yep. So I, I'm, I, I'm sorry. No, not at all. I'm not. I'm like, trust you, me. I don't know. I, you're Steve to me. <laughs> I am to most people. I'll tell you this. For the branding I've done, I've owned the radio station 25 and a half years. There are still many, many people to come up and say, now, you AM or FM, what numbers are you? And I say, 15, AM 1570. Where's that? Well, it's AM and it's 1570. In the old days, JR would know this Philco. You just had the little thing. You go down about 14 and 15, and you tune it. Right and you, there. And then I pop in. Yep. And then I pop out, you know. That's right. So, I don't know. We've come a long way. We have. Know? We have. So, what, today, what we do today is obviously we're the digital component, because that was, that was one of our cornerstones, and we still do all that stuff. But, you know, we are marketing, advertising, PR, branding, you know, the whole, whole kit and caboodle. And we're uh, multinational. We have clients, obviously, all throughout the U.S. Some worldwide as well. So we've well, you got to get one of Towson's. We've got to figure this out, you and me. We you're, do. You're way too smart for me not to pick your brain. I mean, <laughs> literally, you know. I may do that in the next segment. Um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang with you a little bit because I want to talk about Marty a little bit. I want to talk we about are. vehicles for change because uh, one of the things we talk about today's community, not just Mark, and I love having you on. You come on anytime you want. We sit here and throw it back, have a crab cake, have a beer anytime. But um, people making a difference in the community. Yes. And like, I. This, you know it comes from my heart. I'm doing it, right? But like, I see you out at these places, and you're like a real pimp for vehicles, right? Like for, I am. For your, for your causes and the people that you care about. And we, we wind up in the same circles. My son just met you. You get out of bed in the morning. You go to networking events. You run into guys like this. It's the kind of people you meet. You know, people that get out of bed early in the morning and want Sorry. bad free coffee and good conversation <laughs> and, you know, to meet people. You do. Um, I see Marty at these events all over town, and, and I've known Marty, got 20 years probably, um, and I've known Jim Schwartz, his cousin, you yep, know, I mean, and, and you know, forever as a football guy, and, and Jim's wife Kathy's family. and um, Great but, people, but what, a whole great family. But what Marty's managed to do, I told my son, I think he's been on like Oprah and Ellen and stuff, like he's like yeah, Kelly really, Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. So he's moved this sort of what was a hyper-local thing into more a statewide thing, into more regional thing, and now it's really a national thing, and I think he always envisioned that. And honestly, Marty would be here today. He was cordially invited. He just had a prior commitment this week, couldn't be here, so you're his pimp today. I am. I am the other... meet the new Marty Schwartz. (laughs) Much better looking, I'll say. Him or you? (laughs) What do you mean? Hey, Hey, come on now. Hey, be nice to Marty. If you have to ask. (laughs) He's watching out there now. Maybe he's listening. All right, vehicles for change. So I have... I've been involved with a lot of different charitable organizations over the years, and all all of them are fantastic for the most part, but I will single, singly say that I don't know that any of them have the impact that Vehicles for Change has. And the reason for that is because Vehicles for Change not only impacts the people that they serve, they impact the community around them in whole, the cities and in whole, and in most cases, the entire state in whole because of the nature of what they do. And I didn't know this when I first met them, right? So I knew them as a car donation program. You know, they take well, cars. transportation such a huge issue. Well, I mean, we is. talk about it in the city with busing and public transportation, that sort of thing. But for, for, to be really functional at the level you need to be to get to a job in this city, mm-hmm. you kind of need wheels. 
You because, absolutely because do public need tra- You don't need it in Manhattan, right? But you, you need rent money in Manhattan, True. which is a different. I mean, so that's another problem. But in our community here, if you don't have wheels and you live in Dundalk, I don't, like, my parents didn't drive, mm-hmm. and we lived on the bus line in 1978, and it was a bit of an impediment then. Yeah. Not, you know, I, t- I talk wistfully about taking the 22 bus to Memorial Stadium and taking the number 10 with my dad down in the city in the 70s to see Skip Jackson Clippers games and whatnot. The nostalgia but, of it. But, like, yeah, but my uncle had a car, um, and he, you know... <laughs> I had a Dundalk family. Nobody wanted to help anybody. It was like one of the reasons I do all this cool stuff is because like I saw dysfunction throughout most of the first 20 years of my lifetime. So I've been trying to be more functional lately. But part of it is, is transportation in my family was not taken for granted. My my dad was a streetcar guy, got up early, took the bus to the point. One of the reasons he didn't come to Costas as much, he took the bus. The bus passed, didn't go past Costas. It went down Pop's Tavern, went down Wise Avenue. So my dad, when he would come home with shrimp from Costas, this, it meant he got a ride home. That's right. And he, he co-worker, you know, J- J- Joe Thomas gave me a ride home. We stopped at Costas, got a beer, got some shrimp. So my dad never drove. So, I mean, I, it really, it speaks to when I got to be 16, having the keys, were, it's how I got a job. It's how I did everything. I don't yeah. think about it like that because I've been driving for 40 years. But if you couldn't afford a car, have wheels, had an unfortunate circumstance, this is where Marty comes in. It man. does. And, he, and so just to point this out, that's where they started. So people would donate cars. They'd find families who are getting up and taking those buses to work. And it's taking them three and four hours round trip just to get to a job that's most likely minimum wage and get back home. Or having their kids be latchkey, too. Well, yeah. And, that's and that the, leads to its own problems. And that, that, that's where I'm going next. So these people, they're, they're not making much money, but they're still doing it. They're making a way to get to work and get back. And oftentimes, it was at the expense of their families. So their kids, they couldn't go to after-school programs. They couldn't be involved in sports. None of that would happen. What would happen? They'd end up standing on the corner, getting in trouble, stuff like that. So now these families, they have a car. Now they're able to go home to after work and get their kids to these after-school programs, get their kids to these schools. Uh, And a lot of these kids now have a stable family life. And what this does is it starts the process to end what is oftentimes a generational poverty issue. So think about that. Vehicles for change in this one thing by awarding a car to someone is ending a generational poverty. That doesn't just affect the mother and the, and the immediate family. That affects their family moving forward for generations at a time. So what they do, they take that idea and say, okay, we're affecting people that have this issue. Now, how can we spread this? How can we develop it even further? So what they ended up doing is creating this program that trains people coming out of prisons in how to repair cars. Now, do you know much about people that come out of prisons and the process they have to go through? I, I have learned a ton about the, 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 the going back to jail. And when you come out of jail, if yeah. you don't have a thing and right. people and love and a sponsor and a place to go and a resource to get a job. And I think the one thing we talk so much about is come out of jail. I don't want to say, I don't want to hire you, but I would be scared. You know, no, like, you like, can like, say it. So you, it, it's you hard know, to it, find it, a job. It, it, it's hard to hire someone who's been in jail yeah. and it's hard for that person to get a job and to find that, that yes. second chance. And, and honestly, the, and the skill set too, the right? skill set there as well. But honestly, the, the idea of hiring someone that's coming out for a long term is a little bit flipped, right? So you see someone that goes to jail, maybe there for, you know, a year or six months and immediately think, ah, oh, maybe that's not too bad. Someone that came out of prison for 20 years, maybe they were in there. They've for, never seen a phone. They've never seen a phone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Literally. But never here's seen the, the thing. Internet. Yeah. The people that have been in there for 20 years, they don't want to go back. 
they're going to do everything in their power not to go back. Or that may not necessarily be the case with someone that wasn't in there very long. So we need to flip That's an up. interesting thought. Yeah. I've, never, I've never heard that. So that's why I have smart people like you by. You just taught me something. But the other side of it is... That is a great point. If you've been in a, in a joint 20 years... You didn't get comfortable with it. No. You're dying to get out. You get out, last thing in the world you want to do is go back in. And then what and is... some guys, things are so bad for them, they got to eat in there that was better in jail than it was on the street. And, I've heard that, too. And that's and a that's, problem. That's freaky. So they, they come out of prison, right? And the first thing that, that happens is... they're they're <laughs> Go ahead. So I the first thing sure. that happens, these guys come out of prison, and they're given the clothes that were on the back when they went in, and that's it. Right? So what are they going to do? They're going to go back to the neighborhoods that they know. And on top of that, they have to check in with their parole officer, which, by the way, they can only do during normal business hours. So if you get a job, you got to tell your, your new employer, hey, i got to take off in the middle of the day to go check in with my parole officer. Oh, and also, it's not free. You have to pay money to go see your parole officer. Did you know that? No. Yeah. You have to pay to see your parole you officer. You have to pay money. There's a, there's a cost to go see your parole officer. So, so how are these guys going to survive that environment, right? They have no job, some clothes, no transportation. You have to take off in the middle of the day to go see your parole officer, and you have to pay to see them all at the same time. So it's like a system that's set up to send these people back to prison because there's really nothing that they can do for the most part other than go back to their old lives to try and make money to go see their parole officer. It's, it's a terrible system. That's why the recidivism rate nationally is about 70%. I was going to use that word, you know, I was going to say recidiv- I mean, I couldn't get it out. Recidivism. <laughs> going back to jail is what I said. I yeah, did, exactly. So, some people know what recidivism is because you don't want to have that, but that really is the biggest issue. And, and that's been the charge politically with the state and the city is yeah. the mayor saying, hey, the governor's sending people from jail back into my city and, yeah. and, and bad things are happening. This... So and they're, they're, not, they're not wrong. And everybody's pointing in the other direction, right? The real direction is how do we fix it? And or, you know, point at the problem, not at each other. And that's what Vehicles for Change has done. So they started this program where when people coming out of prisons, they immediately, well, let me rephrase it, for people that apply for this, when they come out of prisons, they immediately have an opportunity to learn a trade, and that's auto repair, number one. So Vehicles for Change sponsors them. They teach them how to do this. They understand they have to check in with the parole officers. They understand there's a cost for it, and they go through an internship program where they're learning this trade. And then once they go through that process and they learn everything, Vehicles for Change then places them in employment like an employment agency would do. So now they have not only the training, but they've gone through the process of parole and all of that, and they have a record of positive employment somewhere. So they have referrals. The employers can come and say, how did they do? That's beautiful. What did they learn? You know what Vehicles for Change recidivism rate is right now out of the people that have gone through their program? Go ahead. 1.5%. They've had a hiccup. One hiccup. (laughs) So the national is 70%. I think the state of Maryland is somewhere around 40 or 50%. Vehicles for Change is 1.5% over the last few years. They're changing things. They're changing things. That's good. Vehicles for Change. Exactly. Right. So they're changing things. Good job, Marty. I love hearing this stuff. (laughs) They're changing things not only for the person, not only generationally, but when someone doesn't have to go back to prison, they're saving taxpayer money like crazy, right? I think it costs $30,000 to $40,000 a year for every person that's incarcerated. It comes out of the taxpayer dollars. And when they go back, that's just more drain. we're feeding them and housing them and shelter like all the above well of course we are but but if if we don't have to do that because now they are a positive contributor to our society why do that 
All right, I'm going to get Marty on to talk more about this at some point. How, people, how can people help? Because Marty's always yeah. doing stuff. So you can and you're to, always helping Marty. Uh, you can go to vehiclesforchange.org. Um, if you've got a, an old vehicle that you're willing to donate, and to be clear, it doesn't have to be a car that you would consider usable. It can be a beater. Any kind of vehicle. I talked about my 1977 Caprice Classic wagon. It had brown panel. It was puke green. <laughs> That's right. It was rusted out in the bottom. That's it's right. Got 10, 10 miles to the gallon. Yep. Uh, yeah. yep. Donate it. I wouldn't have thought I could have given that to anybody. Yeah. But yeah. They take it. All They'll right. take it. I don't have it anymore. Not only do they use it for, the, for their people in order to, to uh, give them to someone to use, but they also use them for training purposes. Nice. Because they got these people coming in that need to be trained. All right. Well, Marty's local. Steve Tremino's local. CCNA. Strategic media. All right. I'm just, I, I just want to get it right. That's right. Uh, what did I call it? CAA. What I, call it? I, I don't know, but don't practice the wrong way. CCNA. <laughs> He's my dude. I uh, always appreciate your wisdom, man. And you gave me some funny thing to, to, to read at the beginning that I, did. I didn't read. Uh, uh, Steve started his career folding <laughs> bras and panties for Victoria's Secret. I did. Was a featured musician on MTV television. That is MTV television. Back then it was. Uh, I want my MTV found himself detained in Cuba trying to explain the dad joke to Raul, per, Raul Castro's personal MPs. I was in Cuba once, but I went under the radar. Um, I almost didn't make it Fidel back. Fidel and I were in the same room together. Is an expert witness for the Maryland Attorney General. Mm, that's right. I'll do that the next time. I don't even want to get into that. Um, I lost Torben Green. I don't want to lose his wife. She's over here. She's going to talk good things. I started what is now a multinational marketing company at the age of 17. I didn't think the curly guys were this smart. I keep going back to this. You're a curly guy? I'm a curly guy. Fryer for life? Uh, Fryer for now. (laughs) So I'm going to give a shout-out on the air right now, live radio, and when this replays, and I hope this guy finds me, okay? Barry Stitz, I'm looking for you. Uh, I know, Barry. I'm I'm looking for you. I need Stitz's phone number. I want everybody... Stitz's name keeps coming up with me. Why? Because I keep seeing curly people. Oh, okay. And curly people are like... Hey, you know anything about Curly? You know who it was? It was Colin. Colin works here at Costas. She knows Colin right here. <laughs> so Colin, this, this guy, you know Colin? Yeah. yeah, Colin Colin works here. And last Thursday morning, we did Fox 45 News. So this, can I give a plug to Costas? Please. All right. So originally, I wanted Damie from Fadley's to come do the segment with me on Fox 45. Patrice said, we need a chef. <laughs> So we could cook things, because me standing there looking stupid, talking about a cup of Super Bowl, which I'm doing here with Steve. So she said, get one of your restaurants to come out. And I said, all right. Uh, you know, so Damie's opening Fadley's mm-hmm. underwater. I hit Pete, like, Tuesday afternoon. I'm like, Pete, I need Thursday morning, early in the morning, 8.30. Pete's like, I'll get out of bed at 4 in the morning. I'll steam crabs. I'll do shrimp. We'll do. And I'm like, dude, it's a soup thing. Just all one needs a vat of soup. A bowl, a ladle. No, no, no. We're going to do it first class. We're gonna... Pete got out of bed because this is who Pete Triantif- Triantafilos. I want to make sure I get it right. Pete gets out of bed at 4 in the morning, comes over here at 5 in the morning, steams crabs, fried up um, uh, soft shells, brought all of this food and stuff to Delicious. make it look pretty, left it all for Fox 40, brought crab Delicious. cakes as big as my head, fed all the Fox 45 people, yeah, you, you, you know, the it's whole amazing thing. place here. So he brought a personal assistant, so I didn't have to grab everything out of the big Costas truck in front of Fox 45 over 41st Street. And, and I know Colin. Colin works here. So yeah. Colin tall. I didn't know he was so young. I thought he might have been 20. 
I said, hey, man, we're part of town. Uh, you know, I live Dundalk. Go to Dundalk? No, I go to Curly. I'm like, well, you lost. <laughs> they just remodeled Dundalk. It's even better than when I went there. And um, so we started talking Curly. I'm like, you know Stitz? He's like, ah, I play soccer for Stitz. Stitz are great. Yep. I said, Stitz and I played Little League together when we were 10 years old. Oh, did you? Eastwood Little League. He was on the Yankees. I was on the Orioles. He, 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 um, we were real rivals, man. I had Mark, yeah. John Rollo was on my team, right? I had Mark Kowalski mm-hmm. on my team. I struck out with the bases loaded in the bottom of the seventh inning on a, on a called third strike. <laughs> Richie Paff struck me out on a low outside. It was a ball. It was, it was, it was below my knees, and my knees were with this big. <laughs> it's not that I'm still scarred about it. I mean, it happened in 1978, all right? But I'm still talking memory, about man. It. I'm still talking about it, all right? You know, so... Stitz was on the other team. He was the shortstop for the Yankees. <laughs> so I've known Stitz. My son's name is Barry. Barry Stitz might have been the only other Barry that I ever knew as a young person. There was Barry Beck, Barry Manilow. There was Barry, a lot of Barrys. Some played hockey. Barry Goudreau from Boston. There were, but my son is a Barry. My father's name was Bernard. His father was a Barney. So Barry sort of like was a, mm-hmm. a, a, a compromise. You like your name or no? Indifferent. Indifferent. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't like mine. So, you know, I didn't give, I didn't give you mine. You're welcome. So my son's here producing today. Um, so Stitz came back into my life. My son was born in 84. Stitz came back into my life probably 89, 90. Mm-hmm. He was at Towson yep. playing. Then he became Blast Spirit. And next thing I know, we're on airplanes together. He's doing the show with me. Oh, yeah. I have a million pictures of me. But I haven't seen Barry in, God, a dozen years. Yeah. And his name keeps coming up because I'm on the Fox 45 set with good-looking Colin who says, I'm a Curly Fryer. <laughs> My parents wanted me to go to Curly. Why didn't you? There were no girls there. <laughs> we had, a whole, we there? had a whole school of they, girls. They were up the street. Yeah, well, where do you think they came after yeah, school? Yeah, I know what they did. They went over to White Coffee by Junior and took the 22 home. <laughs> I, I had, See, you were following them around. My best friends went to Curly. The, the Billions family went to Curly, <laughs> yeah. right? So, I mean, like, my, my, my best friend would get home from school early. He already yeah. shooting baskets, listening to Tom Petty. Sounds like you, you know, got a little... We're about to go play some Pac-Man, you know? <laughs> I mean, some Donkey Kong, you know? Sounds like you've got some sour nests going on there. And all... <laughs> I don't want to indict Curly in the alley where all the kids smoke weed. So I'm not even going to do, you know, even though we're Courier sponsored at this point, it was illicit back in the 80s. You were going to turn green and, like, all still, that. Still, still. But You're yeah. not going to turn green, uh, and it's not illicit, adult use. I can take you down the street right now. So anyway, Curly, uh, you know, the Curly Dundalk thing was... It's know, a real I, thing. My parents offered to send me to Curly, Mount Carmel, whatever. I didn't want them to spend the money, and honestly, I wanted to stay with my friends. So it yeah. wasn't really, like, it was getting on a weird bus, and, like, I, I just... What happened, what happened was there, there was racial tensions in Dundalk. Imagine that, back <laughs> in the 80s. Um, I grew up thinking I was going to go to Kenwood. Because Colgate fed Kenwood all, all, all my, my mother, my uncles, everybody in the neighborhood went to Kenwood. Yeah. And then it got rezoned in 1980, 81, 82. So I spent my childhood thinking I was going to go to Kenwood. I wound up going to Dundalk. And there was a you know, hubbub about race and this and that. And all the same crap that, you know, 40 years later, you, you, you know, all the kids from Turner sat in one corner. That, that, I hope it's not that way anymore. But it, it, was, it was. I don't want to say segregated, but it was weird. You yeah. know, it, it was up, uptight. Archie Bunker's Dundalk is what I would say yep. in the 80s. Um, but, but Curly was just not... I love that I went to Dundalk, and I love that you went to Curly, and I love giving you a hard time because of it. No, and it's great to do that, too. I mean, I do the same thing with my friends that went to Calvert Hall, uh, friends that went to Loyola. Loyola. Oh, for yeah. sure. Forget for those sure. guys. <laughs> and those Cardinal Gibbons guys. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. We're now. not even going there. Absolutely. And there's Mount St. Joe, the Mount. 
True. My son went to the hall. Oh, really? Perry Hall. Oh. Ah, <laughs> oh, I got okay. you. All right. Steve Tormino, right. you're never coming back on a show now, right? Well, it depends. You had fun. I had fun. We had fun. Chrissy's going to have fun. I thought we were going to talk St. Francis. We can. We'll talk more stuff. Husband excited about baseball, football. He came in a room yesterday, looked at me, and left. And I'm like, I made him sick. <laughs> so uh, I, I have the wife of Torben on that we mentioned yesterday. So thanks for coming by, man. Good to see you, Ness. Give Marty my best, right? I will. All and right. I'll give Barry your best. Um, yeah. Please. Stitz, I'm looking for you. I, I got to have you on a show, wherever you are. I said, Barry, I thought you met my son. That's all right. Well, you can do that. JR has been here saving our... JR's getting a bowl of soup. I hope you get the Philip Mignon. I, I really do. Uh, at, you know, make sure you get the good stuff. Get a lobster while you're here. Get oh some crab. The soup is fantastic. JR's kept us on the air. My son's here hanging out. My, my poor wife is back at the radio station making things work. It's all good. But uh, vehicles for change. Steve Tromino, CCNA. Strategic marketing. Strategic media, yep. All right, strategic media. media. I said marketing. That's okay. It doesn't matter. I'm trying to rebrand you the whole time, <laughs> whether you want to be or not. I'm Nestor. We're WNSD. Back for more Costas right after this.